On a specified Your friend, Miss Christina. If you don't go, come get her right the fuck now. Swear to God, I'm gonna throw her down Miss K's vagina and lock the doors. Okay? It's 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 getting out of hand. It's getting out of hand. I need you guys to come over right now, right now. All right? Right? Hey, right now. Look at me. I am the captain now. Right now. Come get your friend. Okay, bye. Love you guys. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. scary girl a bi-weekly podcast or twice monthly if you will where sarah and i get together to talk about ghost stories true crime mysteries cults conspiracies the supernatural paranormal or even just the generally weird eerie spooky strange stuff that we want to talk about that week why is that sarah because it's our show and and not yours listen to that beautiful audio quality isn't it amazing y'all we're back in the studio We're back in the studio Right? Wow. Crazy. It's been like three months. It's been a long time. It feels like it's been a long time, but it also feels like no time has passed. I know. It's magical. I know. But yeah, we're back, back, back again. Back, back. Can't hold, can't keep a good thing down. I know. And it's crazy because we're not a good thing. Oh. (laughs) Does this episode come out when your last show night is? Yes. Yes. It does. So today, if if this comes out at midnight, they would still have time to hear it. But if it comes out at like midnight going into Monday, they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know when the episode comes out. I'm not in charge of that. I don't either. We're going to see what happens. But theoretically, you could hear this and catch the final performance of Boy Gets Girl at the yes. Stagecrafters Theater. Yep. We ran for three weekends, and this is the last weekend. We'll have a show uh, 2 p.m. on Sunday. And I will be there. Stephanie will be there. I'm not in the show. I'm just going to be there seeing it. So you could sit by her. You can, and you can wish Josh a happy birthday because he's in it, and then we're celebrating his birthday tonight after the closing party. Love it. We're having a second party. Yes. After the party is the after party, and then after the party it's the hotel lobby. There's yeah, no that's hotel lobby a involved. Holiday Inn. Oh. Um, but there is the show, and then there'll be like a little closing ceremony, and then <laughs> closing ceremony. <laughs> is that what you call strike? <laughs> is that a ceremony? A little, yeah, a little. We'll have a little party. Mary Angela show party. A cast party, and then we'll have a nice dinner for Josh's birthday. You yeah. know, good old Dusty Coffers. I love that. Good old Dusty Coffers. Who's she? What a wild time. What a wild time. Oh man. What's uh what else is going on in your life, Sarah? Um since last we talked. Since last time we talked, which was in our uh, time two uh, days two ago. Two days ago. <laughs> but you know, stuff happens. Life happens. You got nothing. You got nothing? No. I I I think I'm going to be focused on positive like you said new things for this show mm. and once this um yeah we talked about some ideas before we started recording very exciting yeah once my like theater show is done then I'll have some time to focus on like this type of performance art and where this can go 
Yeah, that's what and you like can what we think want to about do. while you're working on your house. Because yeah. that's just what you're doing with your body. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, we bought a house, and when I, when I say we, I mean Charlie and his mom, and I'm hopefully gonna live in it. Well, <laughs> if you're paying some of the mortgage on that house, that is also your house. Yeah, girl, you're gonna live there. That's fine. It's girl. It's you are doing stuff. You're making moves. Y'all are buying a house. Y'all yep. bought a house. We You're bought a house, a house and it's a full renovation and it's a lot of work. Yeah. I was talking to, I think it was Christina about your house. And I said something where she was like, I didn't know it was all that. I was like, oh no, it's not livable. Like they have to like rip shit out. Like gut you it. could not live in it. Cause she was like, oh, like I knew it was like a renovate project, but I thought it was like, they were going to like paint a couple of walls. Uh- I was like, no, that's girl. cute. Right. I was like, no, they got to like replace the electrical, the flooring, like that. We have to replace have to all the rebuild plumbing. the inside of the house. Basically. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's a full, full, full renovation, but it will hopefully be very, very worth it in the end for a forever home. Yeah. Until Charlie gets an itch and wants to buy another one and do the whole thing again, which I can we don't air see that part either. <laughs> happening. <laughs> Where he's going to be like, we're going to get it. We're he gonna wants f- to be those people now. He wants to be that lifestyle, the fixer-upper life. He's kind of he, He's kind of always wanted to do that, let's be honest. But I can see him. Frankly, y'all, don't ever do this. Don't buy a house that needs a full renovation and think that, like, this is going to be fun. It's very stressful. We're very stressed. And we have a timeline for when we need to get certain things done so that we can make it livable. And that is stressful and scary and hard. And uh, I don't recommend it, but I can see us getting this done. And obviously we'll love it. We've put in our blood, sweat and tears. It's what we want. And I can see us. I can see it sitting on the couch. And he turns and he looks at me and he's scrolling through realtor.com. And he's like, I could do this again. This wasn't so bad. That's scary, girl. You know, they, I get chills. They They're multiplying. Say that your hormones make you forget the pain of childbirth. I must be the same with home so, renovation for men. So that you will be able to convince yourself to have another one. Like you will forget how bad it hurt. You'll be like, yeah, it was really painful. It was the worst pain of my life. But like, you're like, I oh, could do it again. Baby. Right. Because your brain tricks you. <laughs> and that's what. Yeah. His that's brain gonna is going to do that about home buying. Just about flipping. He's going to be like, this wasn't so bad. Like, we'll just get something smaller and I'll flip it. I can do it. Y'all are part of that life now. I don't know what this y'all is. (laughs) I'm working on my house. If you're... For myself. If that's your person you're trying to be your ride or die with. That is my ride or die. And I can support him from afar. (laughs) My, yeah. I, you know, I would love to be a a kept spouse. I got to get Val to that point so that I can, you know... I honestly, and I've told Charlie this too. I'm Y'all like, aren't there yet, but I know that's the goal is, is somebody's got to. One per- and, I, and I have said, I will be, I, I would happily have him be a house husband. Mm-hmm. And if he took care of the house and he did all of that shit and I just go to work and I make the money and I come home and we do hobbies and he cleans and does and takes care of the kids, meaning the dog and the cat, no actual babies. I would I would be happy with that. I would happily be the like I'll pay the rent. The sugar mama. The sugar mama. Happily yeah. if if he would take care of everything else. I yeah, I don't know if this is not the, you know, this is not the feminist in me. Feminism is doing whatever you want. I would love to not have to have a job. I, mean, I would love to be the kept spouse. I would not be comfortable being the breadwinner. I and 
I've never been the breadwinner, but like for a minimal amount of time, like you heard, I got a raise over Christmas and it was a big deal and it was really exciting. Yeah. And I was the, the, to say breadwinner, like I was not making enough to, I'm still not making enough to support both of us, but I was making a little bit more than my partner. Um, Val recently got a raise and now equal partnership and I'm like yeah that's cool because the more I thought about it the more I was like I don't want to do this I don't want to be the one that has to have a job I want you to be the one I don't don't want either of us to have to have a job but if one of us has to I want to be the kept spouse I'll keep the house I'll keep house I'll keep the babies it's whatever there you go it's whatever. As long as everybody's happy. If I don't have to pretend to participate in this rat race of capitalism, if I can just pretend that I, I that it's all fine and and be be fine at my house. It sounds nice. You know, ignorance is bliss. There is a part of me that's like, yeah, let's build that commune and be self-sustaining. Like I'm really over it. That is my but real dream. Another part of me can't relinquish control my real real dream and i you know it's hard because capitalism would be like a commune style with like you know you know i'm i've been talking about tiny houses lately it's been my obsession but i've really realized like that's something i always wanted yeah like when i was a kid i really like I dreamed of like living in a school bus, like renovating a school bus into a house. And that was before like I knew that was a thing. And then like for a while I was really like, I want to own one big house where all of my friends can come live with me. And I was like, no, I want one big piece of property where everybody can have their own little house. We don't all have to live in the same house, but we're all on the same property and we like live communally together and we like grow our own food we participate as little as possible in capitalism and we just like do our own thing yeah and it's funny because now that's like with like the tiny house movement and like my interest in small living but also not being in debt for the rest of my life to own a home because this is how it works in america yeah like i'm just kind of like that idea that i thought was like a silly pipe dream to me at this point sounds like the most realistic and it, it's the sadder part is I'm like I wanted to do this with like people that are already my friends <laughs> but I'm just like no the real situation I just have to make new friends in a tiny house community <laughs> and I'm like I don't want that I want to go with people I already know and love but no I've the reality is like no I'll probably have to buy a tiny house and then move into that neighborhood and just make friends with that neighborhood See, my thought is like, oh, I love that idea, commune, but the only place you're going to go to get the kind of space to be able to do that is the middle it's of America. It's a little more red country. Is, and is very Republican. And well, I'm like, I would love to have the space and the land There's a lot of places on the East Trump Coast, sign. but it is, yeah, like there's no way you're not going to see a Trump sign at all. That's not going to happen. But there are areas that are not Disgusting. Like, hard red like Val was asking me about North Carolina and I was like North Carolina is a purple state it's very complicated it's always been very complicated and purple that's kind of the problem is you have very blue areas and you have very red areas yeah. and they're just kind of like I mean, it's wherever they're that's in Pennsylvania now too but that's Pennsylvania that's a lot of the U.S. that's yeah. what the U.S. is where there's a lot of people where it's urban it's more blue and where there tends to be more land is more red because they're like small government. And I'm like, yes, but small government, but <laughs> they're like small government only our way. They're like small government and you're Christian and white. And we're small like, government. Just the first part. Small government under God. And they're like, oh, God. But yeah, I'm like, 
you know, how do you change that? You change that by them dying. No. (laughs) You have to, you kind of, in a way, like. The older generation dying out. The older generation dying out. You have to not kid yourself that it's only older people. I know. It's most, we love to think that it's only older people. But it's a lot of them. But it's, there's younger people too. And then it makes it harder to make the young people listen. Cause it's like, you think it's all old people. And you're like, I oh, right, okay. I guess I'm also thinking strictly in power. Mm. It's a lot of old people. Oh yeah. Old white mm, men. Like I would rather them all go. But they're old white men are who's in power all over this country. <laughs> I know. So my, yeah, my plan is to just find the, 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 the best way to kind of like opt out of the system, but we're going to, you know, Rajneesh it. Like, we will have the votes. We just got to bring in all the people into our perfect little community. But we're not going to poison anybody's water supply. Nobody is going to be having sex with the leader of the cult, but, which is, uh, you know, which, which is, is us. me. I'm not trying to have sex with everybody. All right. I mean, you know, not against their will anyway. Like, it's not going to be to get tricked into it. And sex isn't like a mandatory part of it at all. That's like a, that's a bonus. Y'all, she's winking though while she's <laughs> I'm looking at Sarah and I'm doing scissoring with my fingers. <laughs> I'm taking my two hands and like, you know, making them scissor. She's also doing something weird with her tongue too. And I think that's sexual. <laughs> Um, but what this episode devolved into we're rusty, <sighs> you know, just we're just no, this is what we're doing now. No, what, what has the show always been? We have manifested things on That's this show. True. We You're talk right. about the things that we want. You're right. And we make them happen. And a lot of them start on this podcast. So if that's what it takes for me to put it out there that I'm going to build my commune. Put it out sex there. Sex optional. She, she winked. <laughs> she winked again. <laughs> But no, really, um, like, you know, being off the grid and living out in the woods and maybe we'll do maybe we'll do plays for each other. (laughs) Let's really take it back. You know, get rid of our cell phones. If if the podcast stops happening, it's because we had a commune. commune. Uh, Don't come find us. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we're up to right now. I love it. That's that. Yes, that's where we we're are. We're manifesting the lives that we want. I mean, it's been five years. We've we've done a lot. This is where we are in our lives now. Who knows what else is going to happen? That's scary, girl. That is scary, girl. Speaking of which, hey Sarah. Hey Stephanie. Hey, hey Leslie. Leslie. Are you there, Leslie? It's us, Dead Time Stories. <laughs> I was going to say it's me, Margaret. <laughs> Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Sarah, what are you talking about this week? And are there ghosts? There are not ghosts, but it's really funny that we started talking about capitalism. Oh, shit. I mean, it can all, it always will come back to capitalism. Unfortunately. But I am talking about a woman named Tonda Dickerson and her million dollar miracle turned nightmare. Oh, shit. I just also want to say her name is Tonda. I'm okay. just going to leave it at that. I Stephanie. Have so many questions, but you can't answer them because you didn't name her that. I didn't name her that. 
Stephanie, have you ever wanted to win the lottery? Who hasn't wanted to win the lottery? Right? Like, what have you thought about? What would you do if you're like, I, if I win the lottery? My mom likes to play the game of if I win the lottery. And so does Charlie's mom. And it's the game of where you just say the things that you would do if you win the lottery. See, I feel like my answers aren't fun. No, it's all about paying off your shit and then buying stuff for your loved ones. Well, first thing is, I wouldn't tell anyone. <laughs> You have to, though. That's the problem. You don't have to announce it. Pennsylvania is a state where it's up to a certain amount of money, and you don't have to announce mm. it publicly. That's good. You do have to come forward to claim your money. Yes. Like, you have to register yeah. with the state of Pennsylvania, and you have to pay your taxes on it because, you know, y'all can't see my middle fingers up, but, you know, Ugh, yeah. you know the, the IRS, she, she always she- going to get her piece, hunty. Um, but he anyway, takes his fair share, don't he? No. The first thing is I don't tell anyone. <laughs> The second, Tell no one. The leave second the country. thing is I hire an accountant mm. immediately to tell them, hey, I got a lot of money trauma and I don't know how to Help. spend this wisely and I don't want to be broke again in three years, which is what happens to most people who win the lottery because uh, they played that game. What would I do if I won the lottery? <laughs> Well, they played the game, but then they didn't stick to their own rules. So then I, you know, I talked to them about paying off all of my debt. That's, you know, first and foremost, and then setting up some sort of trust so that I don't just, mm. but I would give myself a percentage. What would, yeah. What would, what would be your like, play with, treat right? yourself, um, <laughs> other than a tiny house. My answers are also practical. Right. I'm like, well, first of all, in, yeah, finally own a piece of property. Like that's, you know, that's the first investment. Uh, is to own a piece of property. Um, I would get a good chunk of it. I would probably get several thousand dollars in cash to throw at drag queens. Love so, it. Like, I don't know if you remember um, the video of my first week at Snatcherella, but I had money guns. Yes. Just I like would put real rain. money. I still have I those it. money guns, but they had fake money in them, obviously, because I don't we have don't. lottery We money. haven't won the lottery um, yet. But I would definitely load those up with some real money, go to some great drag shows and tip the queens a lot of money. Um, I feel like I would buy a lot of art. I would pay a lot of artists for their stuff. That's what I love to spend money on. I love that. And art is, you know, art can be prints, art can be tattoos, art can be jewelry, art can be clothing. But like I enjoy shopping small and I enjoy supporting the dreams of other artists by buying their work. So that's another thing. So you I would put really it back like in do. the community. Absolutely. Because that's that. the only good way to use capitalism. Yeah. That's cute. And, you know, try and, you know, donate some of it as I sigh and roll my eyes. Like, I don't know how. I mean, you're donating to the government. The I- oh! Can I write in that? Taxes? Can I write that bitch off on my taxes? You, my teat. You off of my teat. That's uh, my dependent. Don't ever talk IRS. to me. Well, we're going to talk about Tonda. And her, if I won the lottery. And what she did. Situation. I'm ready. In 1999, we're in Grand Bay, Alabama. And she won the lottery. Well, Tonda Dickerson. I just love her name. That's her real name? Tonda Dickerson? Tonda Dickerson. That sounds made up. It's not. Okay. Uh, She's in her late 20s. Tonda's originally from Florida, and she is already divorced. She's doing the best she can. She's working a waitressing job. And shot in the dark. Ooh. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Oh, we miss you, Southern Spirits. Where did Tonda work as a waitress? Was it A, Denny's, B, Cracker Barrel, C, Waffle House, or D, 
Perkins. So there's what I want it to be, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. before you even said the options, my first thought was a Denny's. Interesting. I don't know why. Before you even she's named Tonda. Before you gave me, before you even said any of them, I was like, it was a Denny's. And the fact that Denny's was A was like, shit, I feel like I have to pick Denny's, but I don't think that that's right. But that is just like. What's your answer? Final answer. Denny's. Denny's? Mm. Stephanie. Was it a Perkins? It was a Waffle House. A Waffle House. It was a Waffle just, House. Just like me and, and Tiffany yes. House. You and Tiff House. Well, listen, you wish you could be as lucky as Tonda. Y'all, you know, my first job ever was at the Waffle House. That we was my love very Waffle first House. job. And you walked out of that job, right? Or you just didn't show up? JD is the one who walked out. <laughs> I called out. Uh, well, no, I put in my two weeks notice. Then the second to last weekend, I was calling out and there was like somebody who was a manager from another Waffle House was in that day. Right. And he was like, well, if you don't come in today, you're fired. And I was like, well, this is my second to last shift. And he hung up on me. And then the next week, my manager called me and was like, why aren't you here? And I was like, because Jeff fired me last week. And she was like, well, Jeff isn't the manager of this Waffle House. He's the manager of the Market Street Waffle House. And I was like, yeah, well, I already made other plans. And then she hung up on me. (laughs) (laughs) So... That was my experience leaving the Waffle House. JD is the one who walked out on shift. And he had been at the Waffle House for like two or three years. Like he'd been there for years and he walked out. And and I was like, good for you. And it was the same Waffle House. And this was within like maybe two months of each other. Well, Tonda was working at the Waffle House. So I understand the caliber of person that she is. And this was in 1999. So I think they were still smoking inside. Oh, absolutely they were. Yeah. Uh, it's March 7th. Tonda is serving a somewhat regular customer. Now, a few different stories I read gave different accounts about this customer and his relation to the Waffle House mm-hmm. on whether he was a regular or he was just a trucker driving through. But either way, his name was Edward Seward. He decided that instead of leaving her a, a cash tip for her work, he was going to leave her a lottery ticket as a tip. Sure. And at first she was like, what a jerk, but... Yep. (laughs) But see, here's my thing, though. Like, honestly, if I served a table and I did the work and I saw a lottery ticket as my tip, I would be fucking pissed. I would be pissed, Because what are the chances? And usually slim to none. And even if it's a... Even if it's a winner, it's usually a winner for like a dollar, maybe five. And then I have to take this back somewhere to redeem it. Yeah. Yeah. But... (laughs) I'm with you. She got the lottery ticket and she's like, Ma, Edward. You can't, you can't be mad when Edward. When it's a winner. Um, now, also, she's in Alabama and this was a lottery ticket for a draw in Florida. Bro, Edward. Which I mean, you still can do. Like, that's okay. Sure. The lottery ticket's a lottery ticket. Um, on Sunday, March 13th, Tonda thought, what the hell? And she watched the drawing for her lottery ticket tip. Sure. And that's the moment her life changed forever. Of course. What could have been a whopping goose egg of a fucking tip was instead worth $10 million. Good for her. In today's economy, it would come out to about $16.4 million. Think of the eggs you could buy. All of them. I could buy 16 dozen eggs. <laughs> I know. You'd be a king. I'd be king of the eggs. King of the eggs. Tonda didn't have to work at that shitty Waffle House anymore. And she chose to take the annuity option, which is smart. And her ass was set to receive $375,000 a year for 30 years. Oh, yeah. Not a bad salary, if you ask me. Yeah. Everything was finally falling into place for Tonda. Not. 
Less than a month okay. after her winnings, Tonda faced a lawsuit from four of her fellow waitresses. They were arguing that she said she would split the winnings with them if she won any money. Did she write that down? No. Was there a contract? No. Mm-hmm. So they took her and said, uh, Tonda, of course, denied that any sort of agreement had been made. I didn't say that. The court took 45 minutes to come to this decision against Tonda. They You've got to be kidding me. They, it's weird because then people in the jury were like, she also promised she'd split it with me. So she's guilty. Oh, I hate I'm lying, it. but yes. No, I know. I know that that, was, that part was a joke. <laughs> But the first part was not. Yeah, they ruled against her. Um, wow, that is fucked. The court was like, Tonda, you can keep $3 million of it, though. Uh, and Tonda refused, and she immediately started funneling money into like a family business Good so that her. people couldn't touch it. And then less than a year later, in 2000, the Alabama Supreme Court overturned that prior ruling, stating that the verbal agreement the waitresses used as their Thank grounds- Thank you. That verbal agreement was actually a form of illegal gambling. So you can't do that. But it's a good thing that Tonda gained court experience because she was heading right back there when Mr. Edward Seward. Yep. He was going to be like, that was my lottery ticket. Decided it was his turn to try for a piece of the pie. I mean, waffle. In 2002. I rolled my eyes really hard. I know. They got stuck. I wrote it down. Like, I thought that was a good joke. In 2002. (laughs) Mr. Seward sued Tonda, claiming that Tonda had said she would buy him a new truck if he was, if if the ticket was a winner. I'm trying to let you hear my eye roll if I put my eyes really close to the microphone. I know. I don't think you can hear it. Tonda was ready to take on Ed, though, and his claim was rejected. But only days after getting out of court dealing with Mr. Seward's bullshit, Tonda faced another challenge. Sure she did. Her ex-husband. Mm-hmm. Tonda had divorced Stacy Martin. I'm talking about you don't tell nobody. You don't tell nobody who won that money. Nobody needs to know. I and I don't know who she. I don't know, but she was in and out of court, so maybe it got around. Tonda had divorced good old Stacy Martin back in 1997. But you know, a little divorce paper won't keep a white man from trying to get what he thinks he deserves. I know it sure won't. Stacy kidnapped Tonda. Yep. Drove her down to a little uh, isolated boat jetty in Jackson, Alabama, all at gunpoint. Held her hostage on the boat with a 22 caliber handgun. All the while, Tonda's phone is blowing up. Oh it's just ringing God. off the hook. It's like, Tonda, where are you? Where are you at, girl? Finally, Stacy's like, fucking just answer the phone. And at that moment, I don't know what Tonda does, but she finds a way to then disarm him take the gun from him, and she shoots him in the chest. Good girl. He doesn't die. All right. Womp womp. I mean, but she got away, right? Uh, Yeah, she actually was then like, okay, I'm taking you to the hospital. She took him Good to the hospital. Her. She took him to the hospital. He was admitted with a gunshot wound. He ultimately survived. Stephanie, no charges were pressed. Nothing happened. No, because he kidnapped her. Nothing happened to him. No charges were pressed against ah! him. Ah! <laughs> Nothing happened. It was just like, oh, well, we'll, well call this. Well, she shot you. You learned your lesson, right? We'll call this even. Oh, my God. I know. You would think being kidnapped, held at gunpoint, and then shooting your ex-husband would be the end of the story. But well, it's not. not. 
Tonda was then chased by the good old IRS mm. for the next 12 years. The tax man gets his fair share, don't he? That's the one you're not going to win. The IRS argued that she owed an extra $1 million in gift tax, along with a hefty income tax on the amount that she won. Tonda was like, if Trump doesn't pay his taxes, why should I? Girl. And then she took the IRS to court. It was ultimately ruled in 2012 that she would only have to pay a portion of the gift tax and not the income tax at all, amounting to around $1.1 million. Good for her. Where is Tonda today? She's still working. You got to love capitalism. Uh, And according to her social media profiles, she is a poker dealer at a casino in Biloxi, Mississippi. Now, is she still working because she has to or because she was bored? I don't know. I thought you were going to be like, she's back in the Waffle House. (laughs) Oh, that would be funny. Uh, No, that's it. So, you know, was it worth it? I don't know. I don't know. Because you know how much she had to spend in like legal fees so i don't know how much she ended how up with that got eaten away yep yeah. and that's uh the story of tonda dickerson and her million dollar nightmare okay tonda that's my story and i'm sticking to it all right stephanie what are you gonna drag before us down I, before with? i move into my story <laughs> i just i know we have such a a large portion of our audience that is international and i just wish i could relay to them Waffle House culture. <laughs> and the best example is like, there's a lot of Waffle House on TikTok. There is. And it is very representative it's true. of the Waffle House experience. Yes. And I remember like one of the videos that went viral was like these two girls in a car. One of them's driving. The other one's like in the passenger seat just laughing. And they're reacting to a comment that's like, she works at Waffle House, but she's got all of her teeth. And the girl driving is like, and it, it occurs to me that some of y'all think I got all my teeth. And she like pops her partial out and she's like, I don't. And then, <laughs> and then the girl in the passenger seat is like, ah! like, she's just like laughing and screaming. And I was like, yeah, this is like real Waffle House right here. Like This is super Waffle House. Um, but there are like, there are like Waffle House waitresses that have accounts that's just them Working at the Waffle House, and you're God. like, yeah, man, that's Waffle House. That's Waffle House. What is it that I sent you uh, of just like if it was the Waffle House, like everyone's a- uh, something about people at it's the some- Waffle House having good throwing aim because mm. they're always chucking chairs at people. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's funny because I feel like at the Waffle House I've been to, it's mostly benches that are bolted to the wall. <laughs> well, they so have the little bar section though, the little cafe, and those are bolted at. down. They are now, I guess. <laughs> I I feel like I've never seen a loose chair at a Waffle House. I have. But that's because they fly. Yeah. You know, they go places. Uh, I had Waffle House not too long ago. Yeah. I love it. Well, it's and so I remember good. you telling me about your trip to Waffle House where the Mr. House goes. That's uh, Charlie did not get the Waffle House experience because that was the cleanest Waffle House I've ever been in in my whole life. And the waitress was so attentive. Mm-hmm. And she smiled at us. But that's because that's where that's the Waffle that's House because where Mr. The House CEO goes. was. Yeah. Yes. Mr. House himself. Mr. House himself. Waffle, if you will. <laughs> Waffle to his friends. <laughs> Mr. I remember you telling me that story and I was like, Mr. House? Yeah, I think Charlie said that to the waitress. He's like, Mr. House? (laughs) And then she gave him a paper hat because it was his first time. And we we still have it. It's on the fridge. And we bought the mugs. We have two Waffle House diner mugs. I love them. They're my favorite. 
If you're ever in the States, hit up a Waffle House. You might be disappointed, but it'll be worth it. But here's the thing. You won't find a Waffle House in a major city. No. Like, you have to go out of a city. So if you're visiting, like, you're not going to find a Waffle House in, like, New York. Or if you're, you know what I mean? You can in, like, Dallas. Maybe, Like, you got to go to the South. But, yeah, you're not going to really find it. Like, you've got to go out to find a Waffle House. I think the nearest one to here is like two hours away. Probably in like Maryland. Yeah. There's one in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. There is one Bojangles up here. And yeah, Bojangles is my favorite um, fried chicken place from the South. And it's real delish. Are you ready for what I'm going to talk about today? I don't know. I Maybe. We're going to find out. Well, we're in this together. Me and the listener. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about a building that is no longer in use, is most definitely haunted, and how it came to be that way. Oh. So this, like I said, this now, like, it's not really used anymore. It's more of a, it's in, like, the cultural center of Manila in the Philippines, and it was once the Manila Film Center. So the Manila Film Center... The idea was conceptualized by Emilda Marcos, which I have to be very, <laughs> very front forward with my ignorance of, you know, Filipino history and the Marcos regime. I know of Emilda Marcos because that is who Manila Luzon played on um, the Snatch Game. <laughs> Got it. Drag Race. And she's very uh, she's very well known because she had like thousands of pairs of shoes. Like that mm-hmm. was like her whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. She had a huge uh, shoe collection. She was also married to a horrible dictator. Oh. <laughs> um, but so she was the first lady during like a really rough time in the Philippines under the rule of the Marcos family. So Emilda Marcos spearheaded this idea of this um, Manila Film Center. She was thinking like... The Philippines is in a great place. Like physically, we are kind of like central to a lot of other locations. We should be positioning ourselves as like the can of the East. Can being like the can film festival in yes. France. Yeah. So she's like, we have this opportunity. I have this great idea. We're going to make this beautiful film center here in Manila. And this is going to be like the cultural epicenter of film for the East. So I have all these great ideas and we're going to build this amazing center. And people were like, yeah, let's do it. And so they started in 1981. Now, this was built to kind of resemble the Parthenon in Athens, which is like a giant um, stadium that is built in honor of Athena. But she's like, this is like the idea that I have. Like, it is of this scale. It's super epic. And a project like this should at least take six months to build, right? Mm -hmm. And she was like, no, 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 no. Not fast enough. We need it as soon as possible. And this building that was supposed to be by a reasonable timeline would have taken, like I said, um, like at least... If you wanted to do it well, six weeks, but they like on a grander scale, people should try and do this really and truly in six months. They said, no, we're going to do this in three days. What? What? I thought you were going to say three weeks, three days, three. That's not possible. Shit doesn't dry fast enough. Don't get ahead of me. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. It's because I'm renovating a house. I'm like, there's no way. But you hit the nail on the head, right? You need time for the cement to dry. And this is a building that is primarily made of concrete. It is a big complex. Oh, my God. Okay? 
Uh, no. How they many? had uh, over 4,000 workers working on this building in eight-hour shifts, three shifts, 24 hours a day. What? For three days. Why? Why? What was the rush? Just because? Impatient? Wow. So, an accident occurred around 3 o'clock in the morning on November 7th of 1981 during the construction of the film center. The scaffolding collapsed at the top of the structure <gasps> and at least 169 workers fell and were buried under quick-drying cement. What? What? A blanket of security was imposed by the Marcos dictatorship immediately, and they didn't let rescuers or ambulances in for nine hours while they tried to, like, figure out how they were going to kind of cover up the situation, how they were going to present the situation to the media as, like, what happened and the reality of the situation. So they didn't let people in to rescue people for several hours, okay? Once the rescuers were eventually permitted inside, they went in and they tried to get people out that they could. Some people were stuck in cement alive. (gasps) They tried to cut people out of the cement. Um, There was a person who was like, he was like waist deep in it. And there were a group of people around him. This woman said, her name is Baltazar Indriga. She was the president of the the cultural foundation. She said that there was a man that there was like a group of people around him and they were all singing Christmas songs to him to try and keep him from going into shock Mm. um, and just like keep him awake and keep him like with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately that man succumbed to his injuries before he was able to be cut out of the cement. Mm. So they, according to the government, like the official statement was that only seven people Passed away in this accident. What? What? What did they? What about the families? I don't know. Oh um, my god! But that was like the official word from the government for <sighs> many, many years. What? Because this happened in 1981. So it wasn't until 1985, after the Marcoses were finally ousted, that some more information and even some videos came to light from what actually happened at the center. Oh, my gosh. So Nina Bingingo, she was a former public relations officer for the Experimental Cinema of the Philippines and Manila International Film Festival. She said she saw the immediate aftermath of the accident. She was also the daughter of a former press secretary who was working at the time. That would have been part of the cover-up. Um, But she said that she wanted to write a story about it. And from a distance, I could see people in stretchers being carried out, frozen in cement. (gasps) When I got there, they were still digging people out as the cement was not completely hard. And there was a guy they were trying to get out and trying to keep him from going into shock. She's the one who talked about them singing the Christmas songs. Mm. For fear that the accident would cause a scandal... There was a media blackout. So, like, even though they let the first responders in, they didn't let any media people in. They, like, held a press conference. They told them what happened. Mm -hmm. This is where, like, the official word was, like, seven people died. Oh, my God. But by that time, the reality is 168 workers died or were buried within the cement. 
Jackhammers were employed hours later. There was gruesome video view of the bodies sticking out of the pavement. <gasps> the exposed parts had to be tapered off and built over. They continued the project. They, they just kept those people's body parts there and just slabbed over them? Inside the building. What? Yes. The rule was that they had to meet the deadline no matter what happened. Why? It was Betty Benitez, the wife of the assistant minister, uh, minister, Jose Coronado Benitez, who apparently gave this order to continue construction as if nothing had <gasps> happened. According to rumors, a fortune teller allegedly told the first daughter, Emmy Marcos, that she would die if she ever stepped foot into the building. Whether or not this was true, no effort was spared to cleanse the place. There were exorcism rites, pagan rites, Catholic rites, and Chinese rites. Officers were given uh, different amulets to ward off spirits. And on the morning of the opening, because they still opened this building and continued forward with this project, January 18th, as early as 5 a.m., Several performers, uh, people, they had people coming in and doing like rituals and stuff <laughs> like hours before people were supposed to come in to see like the opening of this building. It's just like they knew the, throughout the entire process and even like cleansing the space. Like you knew, you knew you shouldn't do this. This is bad. This is a bad idea. But they're like, no, bet we have tickets sold. Despite these efforts, those preparing for the festival had their share of strange experiences. The usherettes, who came from an exclusive girls' school, started smelling strange things backstage. Probably bodies in the cement. Uh. Almost all of them felt something cold blowing on their skin. Their skin tingled with strange presence. All very common ghostly feelings. According to other stories, the deceased workers showed themselves to their colleagues or even some of the guests. A few months later, Benitez died in a freak car accident. Many alleged that it was the victims taking revenge. A medium who was sent to the Manila Film Center supposedly claimed that the spirit said, Betty is with us. <laughs> when the date of the festival finally arrived, the accident seemed forgotten. The cement was allegedly still not completely dry. Oh. Uh. It didn't matter. International press raved about the event. Now, mind you, they didn't have any idea about know. what happened because none of that press got out. Oh, my gosh. The New York Times called it an all-out spectacular and went on to narrate a nonstop party for more than 300 guests, including George Hamilton, Priscilla Presley, Jeremy Irons, and Brooke Shields. Emilda threw parties where guests were treated to $100 bottles of champagne. There was another party at Fort Santiago where the first lady was literally dazzling in diamond earrings, bracelets, and a necklace. For the opening night itself, she was dressed in a black and emerald green turno, which was decorated with several layers of peacock feathers from India. Unbeknownst to the visitors, the wet cement was staining the hems of their clothes and the bottoms of their shoes. Huh. They were also stepping on the remains of hundreds of Filipino workers who were entombed in the cursed building. The Manila Film Center showed films from 39 countries, including Norway, New Zealand, India, Mexico, Egypt, Hungary, and Argentina. India's 36th uh, Shiraugi Lane won Best Picture. Lumila Gareco and Bruno Lawrence were named Best Actor and Actress, respectively. 
By the festival's end, 30 Filipino films worth $500,000 were sold distribution deals in West Germany, Malaysia, and France. One of them was a movie featuring a Pinoy actor, Wang Wang. Despite this success, a curse seemingly hung in the building and the festival itself. Moving forward, it suffered a financial setback. The $5 million subsidy allowed for the festival was disapproved by then-Prime Minister Cesar Virada. That was, again, after power moved out from the Marcoses mm. and more information came to light. So that the center could survive, Emilda created an agency that would later become the Movie and Television Review and Classification Board. As stated in the presidential decree in 1986, the board allowed films that were close to soft porn to be shown in the theater. Wow. The law also exempted all film to be shown during the festival from censorship, opening wide doors for pornography. Droves of men were said to have lined up. (laughs) Almost destroying the doors for films like Virgin Forest. Oh, my God. However, earnings from these films were not enough to pay all the debts that it incurred. After the Marcoses were thrown out, Rustins took back all of the paintings and furniture. When uh, when a 1990 earthquake happened, the center was abandoned after it was declared unstable. It was rehabilitated for 300 million Filipino dollars and leased in December of 2001 to Amazing Philippines Theater production of The Amazing Show. <laughs> um, <laughs> their lease expired in 2009. Um, the Philippine Senate considered moving there, but nothing ever happened. In November of 2012, the Amazing Philippines Theater regained its lease, but another series of unexplainable accidents occurred. What? On February 19th, 2013, a three-hour fire caused damage amounting to about $1.2 million in Filipino currency. Oh, my gosh. The The building continues to be a source of inspiration for horror writers and a destination for ghost hunters. For some, it was a reminder of a glorious time when Filipino film took center stage, but for others, it is a symbol of the Marcos dictatorship. But as it stands, the ghosts of the Manila Film Center continue to live on. That's wild. That's really sad. Isn't it? That's super sad. So nuts. And the fact that, like, that happened and they didn't stop construction, that they didn't stop the project, that they were just like, yep, cover it up, keep going. Cover it up. And no one knew about it for years because there was a media blackout and they covered it up. Ugh. But the building itself is still there. Wow. But nothing's in it right now. Nothing is occupying that space. Other than the ghosts. Other than the ghosts (laughs) who are literally built into the building. (sighs) That's gross. Isn't that wild? That's unfortunate. And if you're wondering how I heard about this story. Yes. Because like we have received, well, I feel like you've gotten them in the past. This time, this year for the first time, somebody gave me a crazy ghost story a day. I love it. Oh, jealous. I don't have one this year. And this was one of the ones where I was like, what? Yeah. And And of course, it's a wall. It's a desk calendar right so it's tiny so it was like a paragraph yep and i was like wow this is wild i have to look into it and then i looked into it and i was like this is really sad and fucked up this is crazy um but that is a true story a real thing that happened and that building is still there that's so crazy i love those little calendars and imelda marcos had a lot of shoes Ugh. That was like her thing. Is that and why rem- she built the building? She needed storage she needed for, her more shoes. Place for her shoes. And that was the whole thing I remember from uh, Manila Luzon's 
which Manila is yeah. the capital of the Philippines, and that is Manila's first name. This is a drag queen on Drag Race. And Luzon is an island in the Philippines, I think, where her family specifically is from. So that's what her name is, Manila Luzon. And at that time, I mean, this was like season three of Drag Race. Yeah, this, this was this so was many, early. many years ago. But I remember at the time that like up to that point, Manila was my favorite queen that had like ever been on Drag Race. I yeah. thought she was like absolutely yeah, oh my God, hysterical so and so fun. Um, but that was like her character on Snatch Game where she just kept going on about her many, many shoes. <laughs> and that was like what she was known for like globally. It was like, oh, that lady and her crazy her shoe shoes. collection. But actually her and her husband were uh, horrible dictators. Murdering people. Who built people literally into the walls. Ugh. Not on purpose, but they were also like, hey, let's run with it and but they not admit to our mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Not uh, acknowledge that this was almost 200 people. Yeah. Lives. People. Yeah. They were like, yeah, seven people Oops. died, it's, but like, it's okay. It's a Monday. Yeah. Like, well, ugh. all right. Well, well, thank you. Thank you all so much for listening <laughs> to our podcast, welcoming us back. We're figuring out what we're doing. You know, we're definitely doing the two episodes a month situation for this time. We still want to mix in our travels to the other world. We haven't figured out what's going on with Christina. I don't know. Some weird stuff has been coming through, but I don't know. Is it weird that I miss Dusty? Yes. Okay. I mean, like, only a little, but, like. (laughs) I have nightmares. Like, I wake up to the wheezing voice. Charlie has to, like, call me back down. I'm like, <gasps> and then I think I think that it's Dusty, but it's really me. It's just like, you, waking up. like that. Yeah. So if you want to support our podcast, which we sure hope that you do, you can keep listening and you can tell your friends. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all Everywhere. the places where you would listen to a podcast. We're there. So you should leave us a review, tell your friends, follow us on social media. We're at Dead Time Stories with a Z. We've got a Patreon that's still going. We also love, love, love getting emails from you all. Dead Time yeah, Stories. Reach out to us. At gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. But other than that, keep supporting our show and thank you for listening. Thank you. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Bye. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman.